What a Savior. What a blessing to know that Savior. If you take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 2, we're going to look at the life of the Savior. Amy in the, Amy Cozad in the uh, song before that last one, were you playing the tambourine on the keyboard? How was that going? Where, where was that coming from? Who had, who had the tambourines? There really weren't tambourines? I was, I was wanting a tambourine. Did anybody else hear the tambourines? I, it was awesome. And I, I was wishing that I had one ready. But uh, whoever did that, fantastic. Bill, where were the tambourines? Okay, you were, okay. But it was great. Thank you. We need tambourines. All right. All right. Mark chapter 2, verse 23. And remember why we're reading this. Because Mark, the companion of the apostles, wanted people to know about Jesus, the Son of God. That's why we're doing it. We get to know about him through this. Verse 23, one Sabbath, and remember what Sabbath is. It's not Sunday. Remember that. There's a lot of confusion about the Sabbath. The Sabbath started Friday night, went through Saturday night. All right? One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread which was lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time, he went into the synagogue, that would have been on the Sabbath, And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Udumea, and the regions across the Jordan, 
and around Tyre and Sidon, that's all around. It won't be long, and I'll show you pictures of all that. But Anyway, because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people to keep the people from crowding him for he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing toward uh, pushing forward to touch him whenever the evil spirits saw him they fell down before him and cried out you are the son of god but he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was and so who is he in this particular series of stories we see again that mark is letting us know through the life and ministry of the lord jesus that the actual facts of things that happened we're seeing that mark is presenting jesus as the son of god and as the son of god the lord of the law in this particular case the lord of the sabbath and in doing so in in proclaiming him in this way and proclaiming himself to be this lord He is infuriating the religious leaders of his day. Did you notice what the Pharisees and teachers of the law started doing after his demonstration of power, his demonstration of doing good on the Sabbath? Rather than rejoicing, rather than being being so excited for this man whose hand was unusable for all those years, and all of a sudden it was usable again, all of a sudden he was going to be able to be productive, all of a sudden he was going to be able to, to do things he'd never done before, rather than saying one note of thanks to God and to Jesus for doing that, they immediately started figuring out ways with the Herodians, people that they hated, by the way. The Pharisees and the Herodians were no friends of one another. But they were joining forces now because they both had the same goal. They had to get rid of this guy. Why? He was messing up their system. He was messing up their lives. They had power over the people. They had written so many, so many Sabbath laws. Not, these weren't laws that were, that God gave them in the, in the Old Testament. Remember, Jesus, the Son of Man, the Lord of the Sabbath. Remember, he's the one who wrote the law. And they took the things that he wrote about the Sabbath, the, the, the instructions that he gave to make it a special day. Because remember, honoring, God, honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy was one of the Ten Commandments. This is a big deal. This is one of the things that set Israel apart from all the rest of the nations of the world. They had a special day. Because they believed in a special God, the creator God, the God over all. And they had a special day that God had set aside for them to rest because he also rested from his work. So this was a special thing that set Israel apart. And he didn't, he didn't want them working, but he didn't mean it to be taken like this. And so over the, over the course of the centuries, the teachers of the law added more and more laws of how people could could live on the Sabbath. And in fact, they got it to where you could hardly live on the Sabbath. And that was what was going on in this circumstance. And Jesus was freeing the people from the bondage of those fake laws. Those laws that weren't really given by God, but were given by the teachers of the law. A good reminder for us not to add to the Scripture. And remember, 
There are people all the time adding to the scripture. Graduates, as you get ready to leave um, Midway, I know you're leaving home to go to college in in some cases, leaving your your schools. You're also leaving Midway in a sense. As you're leaving, make sure that the churches that you go to are churches that continue to preach the Bible to you and don't add to it. That they faithfully, you know, preach and, and teach you God's word. Because it's God's word that you need. It's God's word that you need to do the things that Mark was talking about from Second Peter this morning in, in terms of your growth. It's God's word that, that's required for you so that you can continue to grow in your faith, so that you can continue to be productive in your lives and do the things that God wants you to do. You need his word. So go somewhere every Sunday, every Sunday that you possibly can, go somewhere where the word of God is being taught and preached so that you can be encouraged and continue reading it as you have been. I know some of you have become really... Um, really um, scholars almost of, uh, in his word, continue in that pursuit of his word. It's what you need. And what you'll find is that his word, as this passage itself does, continues to elevate Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as Mark intended his, his gospel to do. And to see him as the Lord, not only of the Sabbath, but the Lord of everything concerning his word and everything concerning our lives. And so that's the point that we want to see here this morning that Mark is making about the Lord Jesus. He's not giving a lot of teaching about the Sabbath. Later on, he'll give more teaching about the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is, a, is an institution that was, was very misunderstood. It's still misunderstood today, and we'll, we'll spend more time about that in the future. But the point of, this, of these two stories of the Sabbath is that Jesus is in charge of it. And he's showing them how to use it for God's glory not by following man-made rules concerning it, but to use the word of God for the glory of God, the giver of this law. And to recognize that Jesus is the giver of this, wor- of this word. All of it. Did you notice what Jesus referred to as he was explaining to the people what he was, what he was doing? Did you see where he went? Straight to the Old Testament. This is really a big book or, or, or a collection of many books, but it, but it turns out to be a big book. And God has given all of it to us, all of it. He says um, through, through the Apostle Paul, when, he, when Paul was teaching Timothy, he said all Scripture in 2 Timothy 3, he said all Scripture, all of it is God-breathed comes directly from God, comes directly from the Lord Jesus himself, is God-breathed, and it's all useful in our lives. It's all productive for us. And so let's, not only graduates, but let's all of us remain committed to all of God's word. It all has its purpose. Some of you were studying the Old Testament this morning in your, in your um, Bible study classes. And again, let me remind you, and I know sometimes some of you come a lot think I might be a broken record on this subject. If you're not a, a part of one of our Bible studies, please become a part of one of them. It is such a great thing to get together and discuss God's Word together. And it's kind of scary, especially if you haven't been in a while, you know, going into a smaller group of people that you don't know that well and don't know exactly what's going to happen. And just let me assure you, you'll be well welcomed and, and hopefully not mistreated. All right? Now, I know some of you are thinking, if they call on me to read, 
especially a section with Hebrew names, I'll be so embarrassed. Okay. The teachers of the classes are here this morning, so I'm making a promise that they can keep. You will never be called on to read one of those passages. In fact, you'll never be made to read out loud ever. All right. Although I did, um, I did make the people in our class this morning uh, say something in- interesting about themselves. And that was hard for some of the people who don't like to, you know, talk out loud in front of people. But we did find some very, very interesting things um, about some of the people in the class. But be a part of one of those classes. And this morning in our class, we went back to understand why the Old Testament is so important. Now, certainly, this example from the Gospel of Mark shows us. I mean, it's it's where Jesus went. When he, was, when he went to explain things, he went to the Old Testament. Now, certainly you would think he would believe it because he wrote it, all right? But he did. He did both. He did write it, and he did believe it. He, he referred to it as historical fact, and that the things that he was teaching were based on those historical facts. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 makes a statement about the the importance of the Old Testament. And he says that in in, in that passage in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, he refers to those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, those of us who are children of God because of that faith. He says that we're the people upon whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. In other words, all the people of the Old Testament were looking forward to the Messiah coming. We're among those people that know the Messiah, that know his name. We were singing his name this morning, and that is so awesome. That is so amazing. They longed for that day back, back in, the, in the life in the Old Testament. They longed to know the Messiah like that. We know him like that. We're among those that we were singing about this morning in the nations that are praising his name. We're fulfillments of all of those things that were, that were told about in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, in those Psalms of praise where it says, let the nations you know, praise him. We're doing that today through Jesus Christ. That's us he's talking about now. Do you know how far it is from Milton and Alpharetta coming Georgia from Jerusalem? It's a long way. It's across the world. We're doing what, what the psalmist was calling out to, to be done. We're a part of that. We get to do that. That's, that's part of our honor. And so we're, we're the fulfillment of all those promises that, that God has, has made in the church today. We're the ones upon whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. And he says that those Old Testament passages, all of them, were written down as examples for us. In some cases, as positive examples, but mostly as negative examples. Examples of warnings. So that we would see what happened when they disobeyed God and we would look at ourselves and say, you know what? We have to be careful not to do that too. Because all of us are prone to do those things. All of us are prone, as we sing in one of the songs that we, that we regularly sing, we're prone to leave the God we love. It doesn't make any sense. All that we know about him, how much he loves us, all that he's done for us, we're still, because we're people, we're still prone to leave him. And we look to the Old Testament and we see those examples and we, we say, you know what, we're not going to go that way. 
And we we surround ourselves with people like we're doing this morning. We surround ourselves with people who have decided we don't want to go that way. We want to follow the Lord of the Sabbath. We want to follow the Lord of the law. We want to follow the writer, the maker, the creator of this word, of this world, of our very lives. We want to follow him. He's worthy to be followed. Did you see what the people were doing as he was doing his works? All the people that were, especially those that were sick or had friends and and family that were sick, they were flocking to Jesus to touch him, to be a part of his ministry, to, to, to be blessed by him. And even the demons, when he cast them out, they declared him to be son of God. And you notice what he said, I don't need that kind of advertising. I don't need, I don't need you to say I'm, to say that I'm the son of God. You see, Jesus was taking care of that himself. In all of his teaching and everything that he was doing, he was declaring himself to be the son of God. He didn't need the demon's testimony. Although it was somewhat impactful for people that heard that. But he didn't want that kind of testimony. He wanted the testimonies of his people. That's us to declare him to be the son of God that he is. And remember, that goes right back to what Mark is doing as he, as he's laying these stories out for us. He wants us to see even, even 2000 years later. Now, Mark probably himself didn't realize that his, his book was going to be such a hit, such a bestseller, such a part of this great collection of God's word. He probably didn't realize he was writing it, but he wanted the people of his day, even the Gentiles, the, the non-Jewish people, many of the people that were getting this, this gospel that we're going to have it read to them weren't Jewish people. But, but he still put in the sections that Jesus goes back and, and looks to the Old Testament because the Old Testament is the foundation of everything that Jesus was doing, of everything that, that was told about him, that he was going to fulfill, and everything that was going to happen in the future all comes from the Old Testament. We saw, and, and a lot of you have read this recently because some, sometimes during the Easter season, you know, you read the resurrection passages. And some of you read that passage in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus met with the two guys that were walking, um, walking on the road to Emmaus. And you, you remember what Jesus did for them as they were walking? He laid out for them all of the sections of the Old Testament that told about what Jesus was, was going to come and do what the Son of God was going to come and do. Stuff that they had missed. some Stuff that had just gone in one ear and out the other or just flown over their heads. Stuff they missed. He let them know those things. And see, that that's the basis of all of Jesus' ministry is the promises that were made in the Old Testament. And so we have this opportunity. And, and graduates, again, I want to encourage you. I, I know you're going to have a lot of freedom. I know that... Uh, now I know, and this is the, you should, you should have lived, you know, before cell phones, if you can imagine that, um, you'd only have to talk to your parents like every week or every month. If you went away to college, if you can imagine that there was a payphone on the hall, you know, and you, you know, sometimes we even had little systems cause you had to pay long distance, you know, sometimes we had little systems where you, you know, call person to person. They wouldn't accept the call, but they knew you were okay. You know, just because they got that call, you know, now I'm not suggesting you do those kind of, you know, devious things, but that some people did that kind of stuff, you know, back in those days. But, you know, with, with cell phones as they are, you know, you're, you'll probably get the, the wake up call on Sunday morning, you know, even, even uh, when you're off to college. And just remember, if you get that, thank God for it. 
Thank God for it. Because what they're encouraging, what your parents are encouraging you to do, or maybe it'll come from one of your sisters or brothers. Hey, it's time to get up to go to church. Ah, um, remember what this is about. We need to be encouraged regularly from the Word of God. And somebody's going to come along uh, when you get to where you're going, whatever school you're going to, somebody's going to come along and they're going to make an objection to what you believe. And they're going to ask you a question or make a statement that you're going to think, wait a minute, I don't remember dealing with that before. And you might get a little bitter toward me for missing, for not, for not, you know, laying it out for you. And I want to tell you something. I probably covered it, but you probably weren't paying attention. All right. (laughs) Or, or, or Mark covered it and you missed that day or, or somebody else. But, but that may not be the case. It may be something that we haven't covered, but I want you to know something. When somebody makes one of those objections or one of those statements of something that you haven't thought about before and really makes you think, don't fret and don't panic. It's not something that the body of Christ hasn't dealt with before. You'll be able to find the answer. You'll be able to figure out that objection. Don't immediately fold and think, oh no, I don't, you know, I haven't been taught well and I'm not prepared for this. You are prepared for this. You are prepared for whatever challenge you're going to face because you've built a foundation on the Word of God. And the answers that you need, you will find. Now again, thankfully, because of the cell phone, you can call Mark just like that. All right? And I want you to know, he's waiting on that call. He's looking forward to that call because he's not just for you while you're in high school. He's for you all the way through. And he'll be there to, to answer that call and to help out. And if, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't pick up, call me. All right? And, um, and we'll work it out. But just remember, you don't need to panic. The answers are there. And somebody else that, 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 that's been walking with Christ for years has already addressed that issue. And so you don't need to, you don't need to feel like, oh no, I'm not, I'm not ready for this and, and, and throw away all, the, all this foundation that, that you've already been given. You can build on it and it will serve, it will serve you well as you commit yourselves to continuing to learn the Word of God and to base your life on it. And again, this is just an example of that this morning. This passage where Jesus is reminding the people that He is the Lord of the law. He is the Lord of this Word. He's the one that makes it work in our lives. He's the one that Isaiah said would give us fruit every time we open its pages. In Isaiah 55, he says that every time the Word of God is sown, it produces the fruit that it was intended to produce. And it does that fruit producing in our lives. And so let's commit ourselves, not just graduates, let's all commit ourselves to to being like Jesus, although not the Lord of the Word, Let's commit ourselves to being committed to the Word. The Word that Jesus wrote, the Word that Jesus knew, the Word that Jesus referred to, the the Word that Jesus based His ministry on, let's commit ourselves to that same Word because He is the Lord, not only the Sabbath. He is the Lord of all the law, and He is the Lord of all of His Word. And so take these times, these Sunday mornings, as encouragement. But remember... Let these Sunday morning times in the Word only be a part of the ministry of the Word of God in our lives. We have the, we have the Bible study classes. I've already reminded you about that. But we also have time ourselves, whether we have hard copies like this 
or have it on our phone or our tablet or our PC. Take time sometime during that day, whatever day it is, to look at the Word of God, to let Him work in your life, to, to let Him expose you, to let, to, to let Him, as you read His Word, show you areas of your life that still aren't measuring up to His standard, to, to His desire, to His goal for your life. Because you remember His goal? We talked about this when we started the Gospel of Mark. Do you remember what His goal for you is? He has the same goal for all of us, all of us who are believers in Christ. And, it's, and the goal is found in connection with one of the great promises of his word. Romans 8, 28. You remember that, that great promise? And we know that in all things, God works for the good, for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. What a great promise. But then he also goes on in verse 29 and says this. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Do you hear that? Do you see why he made you? Do you see why he saved you? Do you see why he forgave you? Do you see why he gave you this word? Do you see why he put you in in the body of Christ, his church? Because he has a goal for us. He wants every single one of us to be like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why, Mark, that's why Mark wrote the gospel. So we would see who Jesus is, the son of God, because the goal of God is for us to be more and more like him every day. Now, the good thing is, we don't have to be like him before we're promised heaven. That's the good thing. Because None of us have achieved the the complete fulfillment of God's goal for our lives. None of us are completely like him. And we won't be until we see him. And so this goal also reminds us of his grace. Because the moment we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he forgives us of all of our sins. He promises eternal life to every one of us who believes, not to those of us who are conformed to the image of his son, but to every single one of us who believe. And so from that moment on, our goal is to become like him. But that is not what gets us into heaven. That is not what what makes us his children. That takes place the moment we believe because it's by faith that we come into the family of God because of his grace in our lives, because of not because of things that we've done, because of what he's done for us. And so we want to, we want to re- remember, God has a, a specific goal for us. You may think you're going to college to study business or engineering or nursing or something along those lines. And you, and you are. But you're also going to college to be conformed to the image of, of Jesus. And that happens through the ministry of the Word of God. That happens through the ministry of the body of Christ. And so don't forget those important aspects as you're, as you're leaving midway, as you're leaving home, as you're going to college, and all the rest of us as well. Because remember, we never graduate from the school. We're always in the process of being sanctified, of, of being made more and more like Jesus Christ. We never graduate until the moment we see him face to face. Then he says, 
we will be like him because we'll see him as he is. In the meantime, we continue on with the same goal to be conformed to the image of, of, of Christ. And that happens as we interact with the word of God. Because he lets us know every day when we open its pages, he lets us see ourselves and that we're still falling short in this area or that area, whatever it might be. And then he also gives us the encouragement by the power of his Holy Spirit and also by the body of Christ to keep on going in that, in the, in the pursuit of that goal. To keep on going. Don't let the fact that you've failed in one, in one area or another stop you. We confess that sin. We recognize his forgiveness and we move on because his goal for us remains the same to make us more and more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning again for um, our graduates. Those of us who have already graduated, look back at those days and remember how exciting and scary uh, those days were. And so as Mark has encouraged us to pray, um, Father, we ask that you would remind us to pray for them regularly as they walk through these exciting, scary days. But Father, we also thank you that you've prepared them through their parents and grandparents, their family foundation, but also through their knowledge of your word that hopefully has been enhanced by their involvement in the preschool and children's and youth ministries here at Midway and all the people that have invested in their lives through teaching and encouraging. We pray that you would help them to stand firm on the foundation of your word that you've given them and help them to increase that foundation as they continue to learn your word, as you continue to conform them to the image of your son. And Father, we know that these promises and that this challenge is not just for them, but it's also for us, all of us. We thank you. Lord Jesus, for declaring yourself to be Lord of the Sabbath. For helping us understand the purpose of your word. To do good, not evil. To shine brightly for you in service of Christ. And we thank you that all these years later, We're, we're meeting together here in the name of this same Jesus. The one that your word declares with power by your resurrection from the dead, Jesus, to be the Lord, the master, the person in charge of our lives. And so we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for how it shows us who Jesus is what he's doing even today in our lives. We pray for those who are still waiting to receive him. In some cases, still waiting to, to get something straightened out in their lives, some, some area of their life that they want to improve before they receive him. Father, help them to see that the first thing they need to do is to believe in Jesus. 
And in so doing, they would receive him. And that he would give them everything that they need, as Mark read this morning from Second Peter, that he would give them everything that they need to begin to grow in, in their faith. So give them the courage and faith to do that now, to do that today, not to wait any longer. And Father, we pray that you would be glorified through all of us, whether graduates or postgraduates or people who haven't graduated yet, that you would use all of us to shine for your glory because of what you've done in us. That we would take all of your blessings, as we sang before, that we would take all of your blessings and praise you for being such a great God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. The one who saved us, the one who leads and guides us. Amen.